It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got to talk about Muma. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers. I'm your host, Ryan Herrings. This is your first. Thank you for making this one of your first stops every day. We talk about the Badgers every single day. Uh, really do appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college Terms and conditions to apply. I do want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I think we need to start, um, you know, I have some more post-Purdue content coming up. I think we need to start with the MoMA discussion. MoMA Nanjameda, you're talking um, one of the players that represented the program at Media Days, one of the, the leaders of the team, uh, returning leading tackler, played one snap against Purdue, right? Uh, and afterwards, the, the discussion revolving around it was really murky. Uh, this was a quote from Luke Fickle. It wasn't that he was out, Badgers coach Luke Fickle said. It wasn't. That Like he wasn't on the depth chart. He was in there later in the game. We're just rolling through on some situations and some things and he didn't play as much. Now, if you were to look up intentionally vague in the dictionary, like you could, you could copy and paste that Luke Fickle description and put it right there. Right. Um, And Luke Fickle is not a guy who has been vague in his time in Madison up to this point. He is a a very um, articulate, lucid guy. And I think, yeah, more on this in a second. Uh, another quote here, this is from Cheney. So I definitely think Muma will be back. Muma will be back playing. This is just a weird situation. So again, you're talking, this is the biggest game of the season up to this point. We can talk about Washington State, but the Big Ten opener, any Big Ten game is bigger than a game at Washington State. So biggest game of the season up to this point, playing an offense that was expected to give you some trouble, right? A quarterback that was expected to give you some trouble. And your presumed best linebacker, one of your best players on defense, essentially doesn't play. And it's not because he's hurt. That's a talking point. That is something we need to talk about and, and kind of chop up. You know, why Why do we know he wasn't hurt? Now, when I say not hurt, he could very, very well be dinged up because every player after a couple of weeks of football is dinged up. But he wasn't on the injury report, right? And if he had been hurt, two things. If he had been hurt, he wouldn't have gotten in there for one snap at the end. Like, why would you risk it? Why would you risk aggravating anything with one snap at the end of a game against a team that's beaten and if he had been hurt, they would have just said that. Like, that's the, that's an, that's the easiest post-game answer in the world, right? Uh, he's dinged up. Uh, he's hurt. You know, I, I, you couldn't, he wasn't full going. We didn't want to risk it, right? We we're holding him back in case. There's, there's 30 ways coaches answer that he was too hurt to play question. And all of them in the post-game press conference would have answered everything. Like, if, if that's the case, that would have been done. So what is it then? Like, why didn't he play then? There's, there's really... There's basically two answers here. It's either, and I'm not here to speculate. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I'm just telling you the two answers are, it's either something kind of internal, like something from a discipline standpoint, uh, something happened in the locker room, something from a culture standpoint. Maybe he missed a practice. Again, I'm not putting any of that out there. I don't know if any of that happened. So don't take that and run with it. I'm just saying it's either that, or they just looked at the matchup and they said, Hudson Card is going to put us in space. Quite frankly, Turner and Cheney are better athletes in space. Now, it can also be a combination of those things, by the way. But it's it's some combination of some. Maybe there was something that happened 
during the week. Um, or they, they just looked at it and they said, you know, Muma isn't as great in space as Turner and Cheney probably are. Um, and that's, that's, I, those are the two answers. It's one of those two things or a combination of those two things. Now, here's, here's the thing with Muma. We're, we're going to go into a stretch of games where Muma is going to be vitally important to this defense. Like Muma brings a physical edge um, between those tackles in the box that the other guys, I don't think quite have yet. He, we talked about it in week two against Washington state, his ability to run through pass protectors, running backs and tight ends, picking them up on blitzes. They can't handle Muma in a straight line. Now I don't think Muma's as fluid of an athlete. Like again, I actually think in, in a game like this against Purdue, where they're going to spread you out and Hudson card is going to try to take off and run a lot. I kind of like Cheney and Turner in space. Of course, Purdue also gashed us on the ground. So maybe, maybe you see some of that impact of movement not being in there, but overall, I, I think the bye week and this is one of the reasons I'm going to talk about this later in the show. I think the bye week coming up now is a good spot. Like uh, Muma, Cheney said it will be back in there. This will kind of be whatever it was, water under the bridge. Listen, this Badger team needs good Muma the rest of the season. They need that physical presence. Um, they're going to need him against an Iowa. They're going to need him against teams that want to run up the middle. And he's going to be a really big part of how this season plays out. But I also don't think he's the best matchup against a team that wants to spread you out and has a has a running quarterback. And, you know, so, yeah, what's going on with them? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm telling you it's a combination. It's, it's either something happened during the week or they just didn't think it was a great matchup. And they post-game, they didn't want to just say that, right, because that can come off as – like they're, they're not trying to put that, that out there for their player. So – I'm not speculating on which, which of those is, but it's one of those things. And he's going to be needed this season. Like the, the book is not closed on Muma helping the Badgers defense this year. He's going to be a big part of many big 10 games coming up if he's healthy. So um, yeah, that's my take on Muma. I want to talk a little bit about uh, do some grades here. The first one is I'm going to do um, instead of doing East position, I'm going to try some little different. I'm going to play with this as we go throughout the season. We're going to go passing offense against Purdue. What was the passing offenses grade against Purdue? And definitely, as always, um, throw your comments in the section. You know I try to loop those back into a next show. I'm going C+. I'm going to go a C-plus grade on the passing offense for Purdue. Listen, Tanner Mordecai, no passing touchdown, 17-27. to 27. Uh, Not a lot. Again, we as, as a whole, and, and why I'm kind of breaking it down into passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, rushing defense, is because all these things are connected, Right. So that when we talk about the lack of the deep ball, it's off, it's pass protection, it's receivers, it, it's Tanner Mordecai. You know, again, we have struggled to push that ball vertically. I think we've seen that challenge all season long. Skylar Bell with another just disastrous drop, man. Um, you know, but then you look at the other way, Tanner Mordecai missed an easy throw to Pauling that could have been a really big play. So the downfield for a lot of reasons, whether it's separation, uh, overthrowing passes, not getting pass protection, receivers dropping balls. There's a lot of elements that have gone into this puzzle that can't get fully completed for the Badgers to, to nail those deep shots. All this has to come together, right? And we talk about, are on this show a lot, take a drink if, you, if you've heard this before, the ecosystem on offense, right? It all has to work together. It's not just the quarterback overthrowing people. He's Maybe he's overthrowing people because the snap from Bordellini is a little slow. That's something Coach Anderson has talked about. And then, you know, he's got to get it out quicker because he doesn't trust maybe the left tackle to block or Braylon Allen to block. Um, 
excuse me, all has to work together. We saw another example of Braylon Allen not being a great run blocker or a pass blocker where he just kind of throws his shoulder at, at a defender and doesn't really stay with him. That impacted a play near the goal line. So I'm going C+. Plus. You know, Mordecai had one interception, no touchdowns. I don't think that interception was really on him. I think Jim needs to wrestle that ball out a little bit better. But also good things. I thought the pass protection for the most part was pretty good this game. I actually thought they held up pretty well. This might be their best pass protection game of the season. Uh, really nice game from C.J. Williams. Five receptions, including a really couple of real physical ones. Now, his next step in his game, there were a couple moments where they got the ball to C.J. Williams out near the sideline, one-on-one versus a smaller cornerback. He needs to break those tackles. He needs to break one or two of those, but his first catch was ridiculously good, right? Over the middle, third down, catch it, absorb contact, get the first down. That's a primetime play. And, you know, it was nice to see CJ get that moment. So I'm going C-plus overall passing attack again. Too much inconsistency. Not a great Tanner Mordecai game from a passing standpoint, but I thought the pass pro was pretty good. Um, really nice CJ moments. And, again, DK is remains our number one receiver. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the rushing offense, passing defense, passing our rushing defense. What grades would you give those? As well as a couple of your comments and why this is a great time for a bye week. That's all coming up next on Lockdown Badgers. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. Um, and listen, this is this is nothing new, but you have to nail your hires. You have to get the right people in your organization. Every new hire feels like a high stakes wager to small businesses, and that's why you have to use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the the number one source for hiring managers to go to to get the right people in the door, the right people into the interview, and to filter out all the people through screening tools exclusive to LinkedIn that have no business coming into your interview in the first place. Just add your job, hashtag hiring. Uh, LinkedIn does all the rest, spreads the news, and then again, filters out people that have no business being there. It's why small businesses continue to rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's continue grading this out, um, talking about the big road win against Purdue. And yes, that is a big win. People are still kind of in my mention saying it's Purdue, it doesn't matter. No, you go on the road and win the Big Ten, it always matters. You got to take care of it. Even if you call it a gimme, you got to take care of the gimmies, right? Like you have to take care of the. We, we just saw Minnesota lose to Northwestern. I guarantee you, before the season, they were chalking that up as a gimme. You have to take care of the gimmies. Do not take that for granted. Uh, rushing offense, B. Plus. I'm going B plus on the rushing offense. Uh, and listen, anytime your lead back goes 116 yards, 7.2 per carry, two touchdowns, that's Braylon. And this was a game where Braylon, in some moments, really again, showed you what type of running back he can be. He physically just imposed his will on a couple plays, one specifically down near the goal line. Listen, the defender, what, what, what do defensive coordinators say when you're about to tackle a big running back, a Derrick Henry, a Leonard Fournette, um, you know, a, a Ricky Williams, um, a Braylon Allen? What do they say? Go low. 
You gotta go low. You can't mean up a pie. There was a play um near down near the goal line, right? A Purdue safety came up, met Braylon Allen low, and Braylon Allen just treated him like a speed bump. You know, like speed bumps meet cars pretty low, and cars just drive over them. That's that's what Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen speed bumped them. You know, I mean that's a good term. I'm gonna use that more. But yeah, Braylon Allen just ran over him. Uh, just the guy got lower than Braylon, but at some point it didn't matter because physics, right? Because every action has a, an equal uh, opposite reaction and 245 pounds of reaction is bigger than whatever that reaction, that action Purdue brought. So um, yeah, he had a really good game and it was really good to see. Obviously the chess injury is devastating. Uh, it is worth noting chess had a great um, pass protection pickup in this game, which he's really good at. Uh, we're going to see more Acker going forward. We're going to see KD Akimeli going forward. Um, they're going to have to get creative. This is also a game where Tanner Mordecai had 44 rushing yards, two touchdowns. So that factors into the rushing game. Really good rushing game. Purdue couldn't really hold up. Wisconsin was able to mostly impose their will. This is something Rajiv talked about, being able to impose your will on Purdue and kind of push them around. They did that this game. Now, going forward, it's going to get tricky, right, because you've lost your, your co-pilot. Now, it's BA and a bit of a committee. It's going to get a little weird. Um, and I also got a little worried in this game. I've talked about it. You can't be Tanner Mordecai taking that many hits. you got to be smart with it. Get down slide get out of bounds um everybody respects the tough quarterback love it everybody respects the leader throwing it all out there giving it all for that extra yard absolutely love it he's gonna get hurt and you're gonna have Braden lock like it, it's that simple you quarterbacks aren't built to take 14 hits a game 10 hits a game right so be smart get down uh but obviously the legs are a major weapon you just have to be really intelligent with how you use them and minimize the wear and tear so I give it a B plus. Let's let's go into um, rushing or passing defense. A minus. I'm going A minus on the passing defense. Um, listen, there's still a few miscommunications, but overall, uh, two interceptions. Hudson Card, who we've talked about, is a real quarterback. He's a real quarterback. Hudson Card had 202 passing yards, and it took him 38 attempts to get there. That's not good. Quarterback rating, uh, QBR under 50. You know, two picks. Um, like they really kind of kept him uncomfortable and the pass rush was pretty good. Like it moved him around. I thought there were a couple moments again with quarterbacks like this, it's really tough, right? This is easier said than done. We talked about this with Cam Ward as well. You got to pressure the pocket, but keep him inside it. He was able to escape contain a couple times. You know, I put that on the pass defense because that's part of it, right? You got to be able to control him in the pocket. But outside of that, I, I didn't feel like he ever got comfortable. Like it never felt to me like, Hudson Card was in a great rhythm. Now, <clears throat> some of that might have just been jitters for them. Um, he looked a little off, but you got to give the passing defense a lot of credit. Uh, I thought the coverage was particularly uh, pretty solid. Hallman played really well. Um, and again, the pass rush was able to get there. So I'm going A- minus on the passing defense. Uh, rushing defense, D. We're going D on the rushing defense. And if you're in the postgame show, we talked about a little bit there. 31 rushes for Purdue, 6.3 yards per carry for them. And this is not exactly like this is not exactly the most loaded backfield in America. And I there is definitely some good points that are made both in our Discord and the live chat. Like, hey, the Badgers spread it out. They took care of the pass and they kind of allowed themselves to be gashed against the run. But against Again, a good defense isn't is going to be able to take care of both, right? I think that's what I'm saying is a good defense isn't going to have to compromise one to take care of the other. And this Badgers team, it felt like they they only had enough. I'm trying to think of the right word. They only had enough defensive ammunition to like really worry about one of the two. And you would like 
you would like a guy like Rodas Johnson and Piaz and Thompson and Cheney and Turner to, to, to shed a block, right. To, to make a few more plays in that rushing game, even if you're not really committed to it, it felt like they were getting washed out of the play far too easily. Like we have a bit of, on defense, occasionally we have a bit of Velcro syndrome where, you know, blockers lock onto us and we we get Velcro to them and we can't get off of them. We get kind of washed out. And then our linebackers, again, the angles are not perfect, right? There was a, a play in particular Cheney took that got highlighted where he kind of looped around a blocker to try to make a play and open up a wide gap. It's just, I think the defense alignment struggling to get off blocks and our linebackers not filling instinctively quite, quite yet. So a lot of missed tackles. Um, not a lot of uh, disengaging up blocks. It wasn't a great day on the rush defense. Again, if you give up 6.3 yards per carry over 30 carries against Purdue, that is going, that's not a, that's, it's not a good day, right? Thank you, Captain Obvious. Now, the one thing I was saying, I think we talked about in this post game show as well. This isn't exactly a harbinger for things to come when you're playing like an Iowa, because you're not going to be spread out like this against Iowa. You're going to have Players on the box, you're going to have Hunter Waller crashing down, Kamoyla 2 crashing down. It's going to be a big movement game. Just because Purdue could do this doesn't mean Iowa is also going to be able to do this, is the point I'm making. But that doesn't take anything away from the fact that the rush defense was not good enough against Purdue. It was glaringly bad in moments where they were gashing Wisconsin. So, yeah, it's a D for me. It wasn't good enough. But I think against teams that are going to be more traditional, Wisconsin is going to look better in the run in, in run defense. All right, let's go uh, special teams. This is an A. This is an A. First of all, it's an A just for Bacos. Like, they they have a kicker. They don't have just have a kicker. I think they have a star kicker. And a star kicker is gold in college football. A star kicker is gold in football. Like, what a transfer pickup to go out, uh, go to Ohio, pull Bacos out. What a pickup. Um, whoever, whoever first identified Vacos, who first contacted him, who, who worked this transfer deserves the best parking spot outside camp Randall. Like you have a kicker who can change games, who have, who potentially can, you, you have so much confidence in it. And I've talked about that it changes the game planning. It changes your play calling. Um, it's such a difficult thing to find at the college level, a really consistent, good kicker. He looks great. Now we're four games in. But so far, he looks great. Um, Vakos looks absolutely phenomenal. And not only this, but you have him for two more years after this. Like, you've solved the kicking situation for three years. But just by going out and strategically finding the right transfer, that's what the portal can do. It can solve a problem for you for three years. Um, huge, huge pickup. Huge, huge, huge pickup. Absolute stud. Um, then Jim in, in the return game, I love Jim. I don't know if. I saw a tweet from Dylan Graff. I agree with this. I don't know if we talk about it enough either, about how solid he is back there. We talked about it after the Washington State game as well. I, I just love him back there. He is consistent, but he is able to pick up 10, 12, 15 yards if he has room. Like, there, there's a lot of returners who you just know they're going to catch the ball, but you don't, they're never going to get a yard, right? They're going to catch the ball. They're not going to fumble it. Great. Jim is going to do that, but he's also going to potentially put you in some advantageous situations. I, I like him a lot back there. He's very natural. Um, and then Bertrand has been solid. Like special teams is, it went from one of my bigger concerns this year to one of our, our strengths. Like we, I think we usually win the special teams game. We win that phase. I think we won the offensive phase um, against Purdue. And I think we kind of washed on the defensive phase, but I think we're consistently going to win the special teams phase. And that's a third of the game. That's hidden yardage. Um, that's, that's clutch moments. That's a really big part of what this team could be going forward. And they can, I think consistently win on special teams against teams 
which is going to flip a game or two. I think it's a big deal, and I'm really excited about that one. Coming up, we're going to talk uh, the coaching grade uh, and why it's not an A, but why I still think they did pretty good. That's coming up next on Lockdown Badgers. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our Game Changer of the Week, and I just talked about him. It's Vakos. Vakos is an absolute game changer at kicker. Um, and athletic brewing, much like Vakos, has changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste really good. Over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden, Sours, and more. And they're fit for all times. You can drink them anytime, anywhere. Make any activity more enjoyable. Watching the game, going to your kid's game, mowing the lawn, playing some, some Plinko, whatever it is. You can have athletic brewing, non-alcoholic beers. There are no hangovers ever. And you can find athletic in-store, online, and at bars around the country. They are the fastest growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so it's time to get on board. Uh, you can find athletic brewing companies, non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers use code LOCKEDON. You get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions do apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's keep going here. Let's get uh, let's get coaches' grades. I'm going B plus for the Purdue game. Definitely curious what everyone's at on this because I think you could look at all the penalties, eleven penalties, a bunch of procedural stuff, and say, Mm-mm, no, no, you, you don't get a you don't get a B plus grade for eleven penalties. I would flip. So yes, I acknowledge that. By the way, that's why you don't get an A. But you won by 21 on the road against a Jazz up Purdue team with a not a perfect Wisconsin team. Like at the end of the day, the end result is what matters and if you win by 21 on the road i'm gonna i'm gonna typically give you a, a better grade right and then i absolutely love that two-point conversion i love the play i don't care people are like oh, don't put that on film and eh, put it on film like i think people overrate overrate that first of all that might be getting put on film to set something else up like longo's no dummy there's there's action that you can run that's gonna look similar to that that has a different play a different scheme inside of it so Maybe they're putting on a film purposely to set something else up, right? Uh, but the other thing is, like, there's there's a bunch of two-point plays that Longo's going to have in his back pocket. It, that's not like the Blake break glass in case of emergency, the ultimate two-point play, and they wasted it. The, he has more. Like, it's okay, <laughs> right? I just don't think it's a big deal. And from a strategic standpoint, I love thinking big picture, right? I, like. Always make the right coaching decision, period. That That's where I'm at. Like, make the right coaching decision. The right coaching decision was to go for two, period. This is big boy football. It's okay. You're not you're not going to hurt Purdue's feelings, right? Some fans will get salty because that's who fans are. But you made the right decision. If you make the right decisions consistently, you're going to lead to more wins. And that's what this coaching staff, I think, is going to do. And it's especially stark when you juxtapose it against what Chris and that coaching staff was doing at the end of their tenure, where they were not – looking strategically they were not looking at the big picture well that's what fickleness staff does and they just did it in this game i think that is heartwarming like i don't know how else to say it like as a football fan and somebody who really kind of dives in on some of this stuff i just want to see consistent good decision making consistent good decision making can still lead to losses right a consistent good decision making you could you could call that two point play and not get it and people will say oh why'd you go for it but it was the right decision 
and then you live with the outcome. If you make enough right decisions, the outcomes are going to generally favor you. So I was very, I know it wasn't a big moment. We weren't going to lose that game anyway, but isolated, I was very high on that play and that decision. And it made me feel really good about where Luke Fickle and his head are. His head is? His head is. Um, so that's the coaching grade. A couple of comments I want to get into. First, I want to talk about great week for a buy for a lot of reasons. Originally, I, I said, eh, I don't know. And now I'm like, man, you got to get this MoMA thing settled. You got to get Nelson like two days down at the beach where he's not thinking about football so he can come back and kind of reset himself. You got to figure out this running back situation, um, whether you're going to go more running back committee, whether you're going to throw more. You got to continue working on these miscommunications in the defensive secondary. This is just a great time for a buy, right? Um, the season hasn't been clean, hasn't been perfect, but you're 3-1 and one and 1-0 one and oh in the Big Ten. And now you can step back, clear the air, clear the head, take a breath, and reset for the rest of the year. I think this is an absolute perfect time for a buy. All right, a couple comments here I want to get to. This is from Glenn. Um, he's thinking it's going to be Big Ten title game against Ohio State, Michigan, 45-6, uh, to six, deja vu all over again. They're gonna, we're going to get whomped. Yeah, I mean, that's a pessimistic take, Glenn. Um, but, yeah, it could happen. Like, there's there's absolutely a scenario Wisconsin makes it to the Big Ten title game. In fact, I think that's likely. And then they get steamrolled because the teams in the West are, East are better. Penn State's better. Michigan's better. Ohio State's better. I don't – I will say this. I, I don't think this Luke Fickle team is going to get beat by 40 in a big game. Maybe that's blind homerism on my part. I think they'll show up. But it could be like a 31-17 game where they never really feel like they are – like they never really feel like they're threatening, right? Like we've all seen games like that uh, where the score looks a little closer than it is. I could see a game like that. I, I doubt Wisconsin's going to lose to anybody in the East 45-6. And listen, they're going to get a shot against one of them come up here in a couple weeks against Ohio State. So we'll, we'll get an early preview. Uh, David B. says, be honest, every team in the West is horrible. None of the teams in the West are going to compete for anything. When USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA show up. That's from David B. David, man, thank you for the comment, but stop. You, we got to stop with this. You, you see, a, first of all, let's start on the, the end of your comment here and work our way forward. People got to stop with this. UCLA is a powerhouse. How many years has UCLA been better than Wisconsin, than Iowa? Like, I, stop. UCLA is not coming in the conference and people are like, oh, well, now we can't compete because UCLA's here. <laughs> like, that's 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 not something anybody is going to say. Uh, Washington is a good program. I don't think they're dramatically better at, than Wisconsin. And if you look at the last 20 years, they're really good now because they have a quarterback. What are they going to look like in, in a year when Penix is gone? Right? Like, that's another one. Like, Washington's not coming into the Big Ten terrifying people. It's a good program. Oregon, honestly, the same way. Like, look at the times Wisconsin's played Oregon. It hasn't been dramatic. Um, now, USC could be a monster, 100%. USC could be a monster. And I think they have the right coach there to attract the right type of talent. Uh, but Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan are monsters in the Big Ten. You know, like, I, I just I, – I, I hesitate a little bit when people talk to the doom and gloom for every every program in the Big Ten outside of the, the Big Three because UCLA and Washington are coming. Like, Oregon's coming. I, I just don't – I don't – I'm not that as afraid of that. I respect those programs. Um, but USC, I think, is the only real power uh, there. Now, Oregon's good. Washington's good. UCLA has been resurgent the last couple of years. I think people need to pump the brakes. And by the way, I'm not saying it's the same situation. This is very reminiscent of 
Nebraska and their fans talking. Because if you remember, Nebraska was coming off a Big 12 title game appearance before they came into the Big 10. And people said, you know, Nebraska is going to come in. They're going to be the new Big Red. They're going to run the Big 10. They're going to be on par with Ohio State. And what's happened? Like, there is a physical element to the Big 10 that schools like USC, Washington, UCLA are going to have to figure out. There's a weather element to the Big Ten. There, It's not as easy as those fan bases are making it sound and as the national media is making it sound like that those schools are going to come in and just start dominating. It's not going to be that simple. So, anyway, that's where I'm at with that one. Uh, regular Duck says, I think we'll see Pauly in the backfield more often, similar to how Longo used Josh Downs last year. I think that's a great point, Regular Duck. Um, to, to compensate for the loss of Jess Malusi, maybe you just move Pauling into the backfield. And this is another reason why this – this bye week's a great time. If they want to do that, now's the time to do it. So maybe you see more action with Pauling in the backfield, um, run some wheel route, arrow route action out of that with him. I could definitely see it as a way to get, A, Braylon some some breaks. Now, you're not going to pass protect with Pauling much, but maybe it's a way in the passing game to get another weapon out there to get Braylon a bit of a break at times. So I could definitely see that. Anyway, I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. For all the everydayers out there, you guys are amazing. Um, really, really do appreciate it. A lot of good content coming up this bye week. So uh, stay with us on Wisconsin, and we'll talk tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.